rotten motherfucker. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Mostly Harmless Podcast. I'm your host, Damon Damien. Uh, today's episode, I bring you the man, the myth, the legend, or something like that, Mr. Austin Lucas. Now, a lot of people fucking love Austin Lucas, and a lot of people fucking hate them. Me? He's my buddy. He's a, he's, a, he's a little misunderstood, but he's a good dude. And with that said, I think Austin Lucas is a fucking dick. Now, I know Austin's probably going to listen to this and be like, Damien, that kind of hurt my feelings there. But, you know, you, you, there's a kind of saying where it's like, you know, the guy's an asshole, but he's my kind of asshole, or he's my asshole. And that's kind of how, how I feel about Mr. Austin, or Aston, as I like to call him. Uh, we went on a two-week tour. It was me, Austin Lucas, his uh, stepsister Chloe, and John and Chad uh, from Drive the River. Two-week tour to South by Southwest and back, and uh, we had a fantastic fucking time. I got to know, know him and his sister pretty well, and got to understand why Austin's kind of a misunderstood guy. Um, he's a guy who knows he's fucking talented. He's been talented since he was five years old. That's going to put a little kind of thing in your head um and then like most uh most really good musicians he knows his self-worth he knows he's damn good so it comes off as arrogant and egotistical now i'm not gonna say he's got his heart on his sleeve but like most artists he's a sensitive type and the way a lot of these kind of sensitive type of people like respond to that sensitivity um is to close it up lock it away and just kind of and you end up turning out to be kind of a dick and uh austin really doesn't have that filter that a lot of people have this is hey maybe i shouldn't say that he says shit and then goes oh shit maybe i shouldn't have said that uh i had a blast getting to know him and his sister hanging on the road like i just said and uh i kind of wanted to talk to him a little bit about you know his perception didn't quite get the balls to ask the question like why do you think people hate you so much but we did talk at the very end of this interview about uh about his critics and whatnot, and he goes off on a nice little ramble. I should have opened the interview up with this, with uh, him rambling and ranting like that, and then gone into the other stuff. Uh, he, he remarked to me after the interview, he was like, you know, it's kind of weird talking to you about this stuff, because I know you know all the answers, which is mostly true. I know a lot of the answers to these questions, so, uh, but not all. And uh, so he said it was a little bit weirder talking to me about this stuff. But he had fun. It was a good time. Uh, Larimer Lounge. Not Larimer Lounge. Lions Lair. I get the two confused. I'm dyslexic. My brain. The LL. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, it was a pretty, uh, pretty small little show. But it was pretty great. Lions Lair has a reputation for being a fucking shithole. But they've done something recently. And I'm not quite sure what because it was my first time going there. Um They've kind of turned the place around. They're getting a lot more smaller, more acoustic acts. Apparently, Ben from the High Dive is going to be booking a lot more shows there. I have set up a show with Mr. Shane Sweeney at the Lion's Lair. Shane Sweeney, of course, at Two Cow Garage and his buddy Todd May. So that's coming up soon, um, July 14th, 13th, 14th. I don't know. You guys check check the calendar, internet webs. Uh, so with that said, you know, I met Austin Lucas. The first time I saw him, actually, was... Um, God damn, that was Suburban Home 13, I believe. It was uh, the first night, Suburban Home 13. It was Austin Lucas opening the thing. And then you had um, Ninja Gun, Junior Juggernaut, Two Cow Garage, and Drag the River. It was fucking epic. I don't remember most of the night because, well, that's what happens at Three Kings Tavern is you drink yourself to blackout. But I remember having this intense feeling over me that, hey, like this Austin guy, I should get to know him. I should meet him, and I should... I don't think I ever got the courage to be like, hey, man, my name is Damien. It's nice to meet you. Um, I might have. Who knows? Like I said, it was, it was a lot of booze. Um, regardless, a, a few years later, he ends up playing a show at the bar I used to work at, the Triple Nickel Tavern. It was him and Mr. Corey Brannon, both, uh, both good friends of mine as well. 
and uh, I had Austin. Austin was a headliner in that tour, but I had him go second because you know, Corey Brandon played the triple nickel so many fucking times. I thought uh, Corey would be the draw, and yeah, it worked out pretty well. Austin, Austin went. I don't want to play on the stage and played on the floor. Uh, it was a pretty nice, epic little, intimate little concert thing there, and uh, got a couple videos of that up on my YouTube page. And uh, me and him got to got to talking, got to bullshitting, and uh, fast forward. I think about a year later, I'd already done two tours of Drag the River. John and Chad needed somebody to help them drive, and they asked me to come along and to this uh, South by Southwest tour. It was kind of to make up for them not taking me on tour with Lucero. Uh, they did like a six-day stint with Lucero, and they were going to bring me along and then didn't, and then told me they were going to bring me along and then didn't. So this was kind of like a makeup thing. And uh, it was great. You know, one of the main reasons I went on this tour is because I knew Austin Lucas was about to go on tour with Willie Nelson, and I went, man, I'm going to go make friends with Austin. So when Willie comes through the Red Rocks with the Country Throwdown Tour, I can get in for free, and then I can get backstage and meet Willie Nelson. I'd already met his son, Lucas, and I talk about that today on the interview. I'd already met Lucas, and, uh, you know, needless to say, like, I didn't end up going to Red Rocks and seeing Willie that year, but, you know, whatever. But I made a lasting impression and friendship with Austin and Chloe, and I've seen Austin a handful of times. Uh, it was great walking into the uh, Waverly Boogie in Waverly, Alabama, and just seeing Austin's face light up as I turn that corner, and he sees me from like I don't know, hundred yards away, going, "Holy shit!" I didn't know you were going to be there, and you know that's a bad, bad impression of Austin, but you get the idea. And uh, of course, I got some video of that on my YouTube page, and then at this Lions Lair show, Austin takes the entire crowd outside to the street of Colfax, which is, you know, kind of the, the part of Colfax Lions Lair's at is full of, you know, homeless people and riffraff and all kinds of sort of garbage. Um, he takes us outside of the street and he plays Go West. Well, it didn't dawn on me until I was uploading a video of Go West uh, earlier today that Go West is the other video I have that I took of Austin at the Waverly Boogie. So uh, check out our YouTube page. I'll throw some links up on the uh, com that will show... Uh, Show up to that YouTube page. Uh, one thing, Austin helped inspire this podcast here that we're starting up. Uh, when I was on the South by Southwest tour, we played in Tulsa, Oklahoma, which is the home of Stephen Egerton, the guitar player from All and the Descendants. And after the show, the show was great. I got to see Austin sing some Descendants songs, um, John and Chad sing some Descendants songs, and All songs. It was fucking fantastic show at this little 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 crappy bar right next to Kane's ballroom in uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma. I say crappy in the lovingly dive-ish way. Uh, but no, so we go back to Stephen Egerton's house, and we have like a 2, 3 a.m. bar barbecue there. And Chloe Maynor, Austin's stepsister, leans into me and Austin and goes, oh my god, we're at Stephen Egerton's suburban home. And it was just one of those surreal moments in that you're like, is this really happening? Is this is this reality? And we proceed the I, – I'd stayed sober all night so I could drive. And uh, we sat outside on the on the patio. I'm trying to get drunk, and it's a very special crown, crown royal whiskey. I'm drinking just straight, and I'm listening to Stefan and Austin bullshit. And they get on the subject of the band X, and they start talking about how – how revolutionary it was to both of them. And we talk about this for a split second in the podcast, but listening to these two guys have completely similar stories about the same band that helped shape them into the musicians they were today. I'm like, holy shit, this is like that moment. And that's kind of where the podcast really, the idea for it really took off is, and one of the things I really search for is that little moment that 
cemented everything. And Austin tells the story of he was nine years old and he carried every X cassette tape he had with him to go see X play live in, uh, in Indiana. I believe it was Indiana. He tells a little bit of the story today, but it's one of those moments where he's like, oh, I know you already know the story, so I felt weird telling it again. But it's like, motherfucker, you, these people listening don't know it. Uh, so he goes backstage at this X concert because he's, he's a nine-year-old little boy with every single cassette tape, and he meets the guys, and, uh, and they're very kind and very nice to him. And he gets to see that they're real people, and it, it becomes apparent that he, too, can be a musician and a real person and whatnot. I mean, some would say he hasn't hit that real person mark yet, but, you know, whatever. Uh, so hopefully, if if you ever get a chance to interview Austin Lucas and you're listening to this, get him to tell that X story. And Stefan's story was pretty similar in that he he lived in Salt Lake City where bands never came, but he loved X, and him and his friends would write uh, letters to X, the band X, all the time, and he would get replies. And it kind of very similar way. It was like, okay, these are real people. I can reach out. I can touch them. Maybe I can be one of them. Uh, th- that's th- the gist. I'm paraphrasing, of course. So, uh, God damn, I've gone on for nine minutes long. I can't believe you're listening this far. Uh, so we're going to go ahead and get into this episode. We're going to start off with a new song from Austin uh, with his backing band, The Glossary. Uh, thanks to uh, Brian at NineBullets.net for uh, shipping this over to me. Uh, Glossary, if you're not aware of them, they just put out one of the best fucking records of 2011 called Long Live All of Us. Uh, NineBullets.net chose it as album of the year for 2011. Uh, make sure you check these guys out. They're fucking fantastic. They're, uh, ben Nichols often in interviews calls Joey from The Glossary his favorite songwriter in America right now, and they will blow you away. They're fantastic. They don't really make it uh, this side of Mississippi very often to Colorado and whatnot, but when they do, it's an absolute treat. Uh, Todd Bean from The Glossary is also the steel pedal, pedal guitar player of uh, Lucero. So uh, make sure to check them out at glossary.us and look out this Austin and uh, Glossary record should be out soon. Uh, this song's called Alone in Memphis, and we're going to go ahead and get that started and then stay tuned for the interview. And then after the interview, we got some more live tracks, so make sure you listen to the live tracks at the very end of the episode. All right, guys, thanks. Something about the nightlife 
Something about this bar There's something in the music The brass and drum beat like a It's kind of weird to start start these out with buddies because I'm just like, hey, yeah, you know, buddy. What's up, buddy? Well, you just doing, like buddy? A, uh, just hit, your, hit your first talking point and we'll uh, right. What's go up? from there. Well, uh, I'd been thinking about doing this for a while. And then you and me were on that South by Southwest tour with Drag to, uh, with Chloe down yeah. to South by Southwest, which I already said. Uh-huh. And we sit, we're sitting outside fucking Stephen Egerton's house and that patio having that 3 a.m. barbecue. Oh. And you, Stefan, start talking about the band X um, and how it, like, kind of both independently had, like, very similar uh, experiences where they kind of helped shape and mold you. And, like, like you went backstage and met them at one point or something. Died, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, like, they gave you all their cassette tapes. Or you had all I the had cassette tapes. I had all the cassette tapes, yeah. yeah That's yeah. why I got back there. Uh, yeah. And uh, I just remember being a fly on that wall going, man, I wish I had a fucking tape recorder right now so we could record shit like this. Because, uh... This is, this is good, like, listening stuff. So I got home and I bought a bunch of recording equipment and started recording interviews uh, where I tried to touch base on shit like that. And I don't know. I had Corey on here a couple weeks ago. It was fun. Yeah? Yeah. Was he out here a couple weeks ago? Uh, with Rive- Revival Tour. Oh, right, right, It was about two months. He'll be out here, what, next? June. Yeah. June. Yeah, yeah. So, so, uh, so I, I do like to talk about, like, the early days. So, um... So, like, your entire family are musicians, right? Well, not my entire family, but a lot of them, yeah. yeah. So, like, I, I can imagine you have some very prominent memories of growing up as, um, with music around you. What was that very first, like, big memory of music? Uh, one of my first memories is of music, and I was just, like, I was taking a nap in my bedroom, and it was, like, the summertime, and I could hear my dad's band rehearsing in the living room. They were a string band, so it was not like they are making a loud racket, you know what I mean, while I was sleeping, but I remember I could hear them, and I uh, I woke up, and I remember I could see, like, it's a really shitty house like that I grew up in, and my parents have remodeled it since, and it's a lot nicer now, but when I was growing up, it was really shitty, it was, like, very dusty and moldy and stuff like that, <clears throat> and I, like, remember waking up, and I could see the sunlight coming into the windows, and I could see all the dust particles, like, swirling around, and I could hear, like, them playing, and, like, I walked into the living room, you know, 
while they were rehearsing, you know. And uh, I mean, I guess that's like one of my first memories. I think that might be my first memory. Wow. Yeah. My first memories of watching ET in the movie theater. One of those weird little things. Um, what, what age did you start playing? I started singing like too early to really say, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, there's like a lot of, not a lot of it, but there's a couple of these like cassettes that my mom and my grandparents had and my dad have. It's like me singing Beatles and Beach Boys songs, you know what I mean? Like uh, when I was like maybe four or five years old. Uh, and like I'm talking like entirety of the songs, you know what I mean? Like, and like a lot of them. You know, like, so, it's just acapella, me singing into, because my parents bought me, I think it was for my fifth birthday or something like that, uh, we, like, went to this place called Poncho's, it was in Bloomington, it was like a Mexican restaurant. I know what Poncho's is. Yeah, well, I mean, it's... It's the little flag on the table? No, it was, it's, a. Uh, it was a locally owned place oh, okay. called Poncho's. But anyway, like, we, we would go there every Wednesday, and, like, we went there for my birthday, and I remember everyone <clears throat> got me different gifts, and I, I think it was the Baron's this like family that's really good good friends with my family they got me a cassette you know recorder that was like a you know the you know the jam with like just the cassette player and like the you know the buttons on the front and one speaker mm-hmm. you know the rectangular old you know with like a handle on yeah, the top yeah. you know like you yeah, could I had one of those, walk around I think. yeah somebody and, did and of course there was record on it you know so i like had some sort of you know uh, cassette that i used to record onto I don't, and, and I honestly, like, I think there was TDK was the, or, you know, like, it was like, the brand that we bought, because they're a little bit, like, cheaper than Maxell or whatever, and so, uh, I remember it, like, had, like, it was, like, red and black, you know, like, the cassettes that I had. No, no man, thanks, Ed. Um, and, uh, I used to just hit record on that thing and sing songs or whatever, so I was, like, really, really young that I was singing. <laughs> I didn't start playing guitar until I was maybe... I got my first guitar when I was, like, nine, I think. It was this really crappy acoustic guitar that was, like, the action was way too high for me to even fret it. And so I kind of, like, got frustrated and gave up on guitar for a little while. And then my brother gave me this old, like, Japanese Stratocaster copy that he had uh, that he, like, you know, wasn't using. And it was an electric, you know. And so I kind of learned... started learning how to play power chords mostly you know because like by the time I was 12 I was into punk so you know that's when I really started actually playing you right know? yeah what was, what was like your first you were you used to sing the Beach Boys was that like your first favorite musician or do you even remember that my first favorite part? musician was my dad yeah I mean like I do all of his songs probably before I do anything else but you know like we you know we wrote songs together when I was a kid we had this song called Rockin' with the Dinosaurs it's like a it's a hit one of these days like <laughs> I'm probably gonna like I'm gonna have to have like glossary learn it or something like that so we can play it live. Uh, but it's like you know, it's a song about dinosaurs and how awesome they are basically. Yeah. You know, and what it would be like to have dinosaurs living with us now. You know, well actually in the '80s. You know, because it was the '80s then. Uh, you know? When when was that? How old were you then? I was four or five when so I that, that. And that's song. when you were writing songs. Yeah. Like four or five. Jeez. Yeah, well, my dad was helping me a lot. Well, but yeah. still, like, that's yeah. still a pretty, uh, when I was four or five, I can't even remember what the hell I was doing. I was obsessed with Rainbow Bright and Transformers, I guess. Uh, yeah, I think I can tell you a line from the song if you want. Sure, let's do it. <laughs> it's, uh, uh, you still have it all memorized? Yeah, mostly? I know most of it. Yeah, yeah uh, it's, uh, they're out on the street, 
dinosaurs rock in the evening heat. When they get scared, they hide in the subway. Uh, I hope I don't look like something good to eat. Oh, wait. Oh, shit. Uh, oh. oh, wait. Some eat plants. Some eat meat. Uh, when they're not eating each other. I hope I don't look like something good to eat. Maybe they'll take my brother. <laughs> um, speaking of family, tell me about your family. Are you the oldest, youngest, middle? I have the youngest of two brothers that my parents have together. And then uh, my brother's 47 years old to be. Wow. Holy shit. Uh, and, uh, How old are you now? 33. Yeah. And, like uh, and uh, uh, I have three stepsisters and a stepbrother from my parents' respective marriages. And uh, so I'm pretty much in the middle. Uh, I'm the youngest boy of all the three boys that are in the family, uh, including my brother and my stepbrother. And then uh, my brother is the oldest, you know, my actual brother. And then my stepsister Chloe is a year younger than me. And uh, and my stepsister Jessie is a year younger than me also. So... And then my sister Emma, my stepsister Emma is like about three years older than I am. So she's in the middle of my brother. You guys all get along pretty well? Yeah. I know I traveled around with Chloe. You guys definitely had that bickering, fighting, lovingly brother and sister way. Yeah. It was fun. We like to fuck with each other. That's fun. Yeah. Um, now, all of your family has been on your albums at one point or another, right? Uh, my mom and my, my mom has the, mu- the musical ones I guess yeah, the, well the musical ones my stepdad's actually a really good guitar player and he did like some tracking on New Home the Old World but it didn't end up making it because uh, like I don't think he knew what I wanted you know what I mean mm-hmm. and so we just kind of had to had to ax it but he did come into the studio and record with me and I mean we've recorded together like in the past like you know we used to do some songs together like at you know talent shows at my school and stuff like that so you know yeah. yeah. Uh, what well, What was your musical role in school and whatnot? Were you in the band? Things like I mean, that? we didn't have band. I went to an alternative community school, which is like basically like a private school run by hippies. And <laughs> so, Did you have like, grades? Pass or fail. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I failed a lot. <laughs> um, How do you <laughs> fail in a school like that? Uh, mostly, you really just slack off, or a teacher doesn't like you very much. Right. You know, because that's the problem with a small school like that. You know teachers it, things get personal quick you know and so if you're not getting along with one of your teachers they easily can take your fate into their hands you know so um which that which happened unfortunately um yeah so I, I i performed it like we have this thing called the holiday follies every year and like basically it's like kids put on skits and stuff like that and it's performed did whatever and I would, like, sing in that every year, pretty much, you know. And then I was in choir and, like, uh, at the IU School of Music, the Jacob School of Music, and, like, performing operas and stuff like that. So I, I really didn't need it in school, like, to have band in order to have it accessible because my, my parents really pushed me towards, you know, playing music. Um, and I would always perform at, like, my mom's parties and stuff <laughs> like that. Like, she'd be like, Austin, I'll give you a dollar if you sing a song, you know, that kind of thing. So, yeah, I don't know. That is awesome. I'm pretty Damn sure man. that that's the motorcycle, too. Yeah. I love that shit. When I see those motorcycles that have speakers on them. I wonder how much you can hear it when it actually gets, like, up to speed. <laughs> um, so your dad's, like, a Grammy award-winning songwriter? Well, I mean, he, he recorded... He, uh, he's he's written several songs for Alice and Krauss. 
and one of the albums that that she recorded his songs on was so long so wrong and it won a grammy nice so I, I don't, I don't even, you know, I really should know this. It's fucked up that I don't. I don't know if it was like best folk music. Uh, I don't know if it was like the best folk music or best bluegrass or best country album. You know what I mean? Like I, I can't. I, I really don't know. Grammy is a Grammy. Yeah, Grammy is a Grammy. So Grammy. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, technically he didn't win it, you know, but he had songs on it. So, That's cool. Yeah. I, I got a producer buddy that recorded like Erica Badu on a Roots album. In Dallas, and uh-huh. the Roots album won a Grammy, so he's got yeah, one sitting on the shelf. If you are worried about me, I don't yeah, even that, know. That, yeah, that, yeah. And it's just up like, who I went to with my homies, baby, don't worry, you know that you got me. Yeah, that like, song's a jam, dude. I, I don't even know it. I he's, used to listen to the shit out of that. I have a double <laughs> L, that double LP, that Roots album. He, he's just like, yeah, about two days of work, I got a Grammy for it. But now he's a uh, very prominent, sought-after indie producer. He just got done producing uh, uh, Amanda Palmer's record. St. Vincent and all these other dudes. I'm like, yeah, I used to know that guy who was in a weird indie noise band. Uh, anyway, so, um, so, is it, what's it like uh, working with your father? Is there any kind of... I mean, it could be hard sometimes. It's really, really awesome. Like, I mean, like, generally, like, we would get into arguments, like, when he was producing mm-hmm. the records. He produced Putting the Hammer Down, Bristle Ridge, and Somebody Loves You. And, like, we would get into arguments then. Like, with New Home in the Old World, I took over the producing aspect. So, like, it, it, we didn't really argue that much because it was like, I was just like, this is what I want to do. This is how I'm doing the record. And, like, and my dad, like, would give me his opinion, you know. But, like, in the end, it was my final call. So it was a little bit easier to, to do. Cool. You know what I mean? Like, as far as, like, conflict, you know, conflicting, like, ideas and stuff. Uh, you know, like, my dad's awesome. He's, like, one of the greatest fucking dudes ever, you know, like, but, you know, he's an opinionated old man, and he's my dad, so it's, like, it can, you know, like, and I'm an opinionated young man, so, of course, we're gonna clash, right. you know? Um, so, you, you said you got into punk rock at, what, age 12, 13? I mean, I started listening to it really young because of my brother, Yeah. but, like, it was 12 when I was, like, I'm punk, you yeah. know? So. And then you got to meet X behind this backstage that was when I was died yeah nine. but still that helped yeah. cement those roots yeah definitely definitely uh, now uh, what drew you to that was it your siblings your family or uh, is it just something different rebellion maybe yeah I mean like I think that like it Bloomington like one of the most accessible forms of music was punk you know what I mean? Like, so it's like, I think like if you're a young person and you get into like underground music and you want to go to local, local shows, like punk is like the place to do it because like most any town that's a college town or a big city has a punk scene and it's really youth oriented. So it's like, it's really easy to get involved with it when you're a young person, you know, like now that being said, I think that also a lot of it had to do with the fact that like, like I'm an overweight dorky kid. <laughs> Have you always you know been an overweight dorky kid? Yes. My yeah. whole entire life. So. So if you're, like, if you want to talk, like, I was never good at sports. I was not cool, like, or popular with any of the cool, you know, folks. So, like, where do I go to, like, you know, hang out and, like, have, like, people treat me decently? Right. You know what I mean? Like, the punk scene, like, appeals to people like me. You know what I mean? Like, people like you that, that you know, maybe don't get a lot of love, you know, from folks who are supposed to be, you know, right. normal folks. So. Anyway, yeah, there's a lot of reasons why, but I think that that's a big one. Yeah. And then what's what sent you to uh, the Czech Republic? My brother. Yeah. Yeah. He owned a bar, right? Yeah. 
needed somebody he could trust. That's right. That's right. Yeah, I think you've heard this before. Yeah, you know. Yeah. I know you're probably tired of talking. That's in every interview you do, isn't it? Pretty much. What, yeah. was I, what did I go to check? Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so you initially went over there for about, what, eight months? Yeah. But you stuck around. What, what about that culture and country kept you there? Uh, I really, really... Uh, I, I really wanted to get away from a girlfriend that I had. Oh, nice. And, like, she, she wanted to move back to the States. And so she moved back, and it made it easier to end the relationship. And, um, and uh, you know, honestly, like, the adventure of living in another place just seemed to me like it was a, a awesome thing to do. And it was. It was really good for me to be there for five years. I sometimes can't believe that I was there for five years, you know. But I'm happy that I did it, for sure. I'm sure it flew by like that. Uh first few years for sure yeah. the last couple of years were pretty slow moving like I <clears throat> I didn't have like uh, I don't know I kind of like just I stopped working for a living you know what I mean like and and like I was like I'd written these pop songs for this check band and made like quite a bit of money off of it and so like I just kind of like and I was touring a lot so like when I was home I was just kind of like hanging out watching yeah. movies on TV and these, these and were like, like hardcore punk crust bands you were playing in right I mean I was also doing this too oh I am yeah this. this is 2006 2007 okay. yeah, so, yeah. Uh, the last like couple of years so like uh, you know like I just kind of wasn't I was stagnant you know what I mean like I just like kind of watched movies and ate food and like and didn't really do anything and like yeah I just kind of it got really boring being there I had gotten really tired of like the social circles that I was in like just like the way they interacted it was like, really just a serious bar culture and like which is awesome but like you know if, if you don't feel like if you don't feel like drinking every day you know like and if you don't want to have to go out to drink to see friends it kind of sucks kind of sounds like my life right now yeah well I think a lot of people <laughs> live that, that way um, so your solo stuff started to take off and then you moved back to the States, is that right? Or was it kind of uh, I wanted it to take off in the States. I was already doing okay in Europe. Like, I was already, like, pulling in, like, you know, 50 people or something like that at shows. And, like, um, I did that Bristol Ridge record with Chuck. Yeah. And I've been did, going... How did that come about? I just, we were playing some shows together, and, like, we'd already released a split 7-inch, and, like, and he was just like, you know, I'd love to, like, you know, do a record with you and your dad. And I was like, fuck, yeah, let's do it. And didn't hear anything about it for a while and then all of a sudden like he called me out of the blue and was like let's do that record bro <laughs> you know I was like hey bud you know so then it happened and uh, it was like really more his idea than anything else you know like he wanted to do it and I was interested and, and obviously you know like somebody like Chuck Reagan asked you to do something you were yeah. going to do it well that, that's how I found out about you yeah. to begin with was that album yeah so like with that happening and like and then you know like uh him like you know doing the revival tour just seemed like I should be back here mm-hmm. and so that's what I did and like I said I was really tired I mean it's like I told people that it was for my career to move back to the states and really it was just a convenient excuse like I, I wanted to be back here my heart wasn't in Prague anymore you know yeah. and uh, so I mean you've toured all over the world you've seen what's the weirdest place you've been where's the most far off country have you been like Asia I've been to Turkey, to the Asian side of Turkey. Yeah. Uh, so technically, I've been to the Middle East and Asia. Um, I the weirdest. I mean, the most like remote place I've ever been, probably Iceland. Wow, cool. Yeah. I, mean, I went there. For, I did like four shows in Iceland. 
Wasn't that just recently too? That was in 2010. Yeah. yeah. I'm thinking with Corey and Drag? No. I'm just thinking of Chloe. Else. But that was the beginning of our Chloe tour. was telling me. About yeah, that. that was the beginning of our of the tour that we did with Corey and Drag. Like we went uh, me and Chloe went and played Iceland and then we played Helsinki and then we flew to meet Drag the River right. and Corey. I remember so, the stories. Yeah. 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 Um, so, I mean, you've toured the world. You've seen crazy, great things. I can only imagine. Did anything ever prepare you for touring with Willie? Willie Nelson? Uh, how big, how big of like, whoa? Uh, nothing. I mean, like, if you had told me, like, in 2006 when Common Cold came out that it, by, like, 2011 I was going to be on tour with Willie Nelson, yeah. there was no... I would have, like, laughed at you. You know what I mean? Um, it was amazing. I mean, it was, like, it was the coolest experience of my life. And it was really informative about country music. You know, like... <laughs> And uh, and it really like I, I it was like boot camp kind of for like what is really going on with Nashville and stuff. So it was really really good for me to do it. And I learned a lot. I learned things that I did want to do. You know what I mean? Things that I did want to do. What are the things you didn't want to do? Didn't want to do? Yeah. Uh, be a Nashville country star. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and and I mean, uh, just approaches to like how like I wanted to go about my career and stuff like that because. You know, like, I think that my booking agent was like, dude, we need to get you out with, like, these guys that are on this tour. And I was kind of like, yeah, I don't know if I want to go out on tour with Brantley Gilbert or, if, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, I don't, I don't know if I want those kind of fans, you know? Like, I mean, fans are fans, and, like, you need them to survive, like, especially when you're somebody like me that wants to make a career and a living out of, off of this. You need fans, but, like, sometimes you just got to be like, you know, like, I, 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 want, I don't want to write dumb songs. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to sing dumb songs. You know, like, maybe I'll write dumb songs for other people to sing, but I don't want to have to perform them myself so that I can, you know, like, garner the attention of, like, of these people, you know? And there's nothing to matter with those people, necessarily, but, like, what they're looking for in music is not necessarily something that I want to provide. Right. So. Like, didn't you tour, was it the Honky Tonk, Badunk, Dunk guy on there? J.B. Johnson. He did record that. He wrote it. Right. Yeah. So, uh. I guess everybody's got to get paid. But he, he he writes really good songs. For oh yeah, himself. he's a great right. Yeah. yeah, he's a great writer. Yeah. What else did you learn from that? I mean, I can only imagine the wealth of knowledge. Did you actually get to meet Willie and hang out with him? I didn't hang out with him. I, I met him a couple of times. Yeah. Uh, he told me that I sang beautifully, which was like about like the you know yeah. one of the coolest things. He shook my hand. He's like, Austin, you sing beautifully, and I was like, ah, <laughs> ah. I hung out with his son a lot. Yeah. I still hung out with him a couple times since I, uh, the tour, but. I, I, I've yeah. met his son before. He got me really high in one of Willie's old buses when they played the triple nickel. Yeah. And I forgot to pay him at the end of the night I got, because I, I got, was so high. I got really high in that same bus with him. We talked about conspiracy theories. Oh, wow. And I, I was like, I, like after like about half an hour of talking to him, I was like, buddy, I was like, I'm sorry. I got to go, dude. I can't <laughs> hang out here anymore with you. He was. He seems like a cool dude. He is. He's great. Um, the, the two or three times I've worked with him, but yeah, I, I, I pissed off him and his band when you know I don't. Sm- I don't smoke pot, and here we are in the in Willie Nelson's band smoking way too much, and then I forget to pay them at the end of the night because right. I'm fucking hired and shit. Yeah, just yeah. to say I'll never work with those guys again. <laughs> if you hear this, Lucas, I'm sorry. Um, so yeah, what what else did you learn from that tour? Uh, well, I mean, I learned a lot about like how this industry works. Yeah, you know, like what it takes to like become a big name in Nashville, like how many hoops you have to jump through, like how like you know like uh, what it means to be like a published songwriter, like or like a, a songwriter that's on a publishing company, you know, like that like makes a salary writing songs, like because that was something going into the tour that I really wanted, you know, 
and like after being on the tour and hanging out with other artists that do that you know made me realize that I may not necessarily want to do that right. you know because like I mean I, I might I still might do it I'm moving to Nashville this summer and like I'm hoping to do a lot of co-writing with people mm-hmm. and I'm hoping to like get some cuts but I don't I'm not positive that what I want to do is like is actually have a job at like <laughs> a company sitting in an office writing you know what I mean yeah. so I guess I, I guess Corey was telling me he's looking, or he's already out there trying to do that already. There's something there, along yeah. those lines. He's living there, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so let's talk about the new album. Uh, it's, I guess it's not that new anymore, huh? It's been out. No, it's been out since uh, since uh, April of 2011. Yeah. yeah. Um, but this this is a it was a somewhat new direction in that you it, quoting you you turned it up to 11 for it. Uh-huh. Um, why, why the conscious decision to do it now versus, like, that album now versus, I don't know, three, four years ago or three, four years in the future? Was I was it really obsessed right? with the old-sounding, like, uh, mountain music and stuff mm-hmm. like that, fiddle tunes. And, like, and I, I just... I wanted it to be, like, a... I don't know, a bit pure, I think, than, like, maybe some of the other, like, folks that are involved with, like, the scene that I'm in. I know I'm in a... I just I just put all my money in the chair. Fifty cent at least. Did I just put it all right there in the meter? I don't have nothing. I just put it in the meter, man. Honestly, man. Good old Colfax. But I don't know. I just really wanted things to sound a certain way back then, and then and then like. I mean, being like an old punk, like you, you know, old habits die hard, and like sometimes you just want to fucking rock. <laughs> and like that's kind of like the, the new record that I'm doing with Glossary is my backup band. It's like the whole thing is a rock record, you know. I mean, there's definitely going to be some like sensitive singer songwriter moments on the thing, but like, you know, a lot of it is just like big guitars, you know what I mean? Like and and like you know, lots of electric. Okay. How'd you, you know? how'd you hook up with Glossary? Uh, I mean, just. Todd was on the first revival tour playing pedal steel and we became friends and he started recording with me on you know he recorded on Somebody Loves You and on New Home in the Old World and like and I started meeting Joey the singer from Glossary and like I think I mean like I think that we both really liked each other's songs I mean you know like at least he told me that he really liked my songs and you know I think that we just kind of hit it off you know what I mean like and then hanging out with like BJ and Eric and and like and and Kelly you know what I mean? Like, yeah. the, it just... You know what I mean? Like, it's like, oh, shit, these are my fucking homies, <laughs> you know? So... Is the uh, is the bold party pretty much done for now? I mean, for right now, it's definitely uh, on hiatus, you know? Yeah. I mean, I may revive it. I don't know. I mean, I'm moving to Nashville, and all those guys are in Bloomington, so it's... Right. You know, yeah. Bold party part two? Yeah, maybe. The spicier we'll mix? We'll see, yeah. <laughs> um, so, I mean, uh, what else do you have coming up? What's, uh, what's going to Canada with PJ Bond yeah. right now, and and then uh, I'm uh, teaching a songwriting workshop in Maryland uh, for a week, wow. and probably gonna do some house shows on the East Coast around that, and then I'm gonna come home and move to Nashville, and probably do some co-writing in July, and, and then August I might might take August off, and then September I'll probably try and figure out something else to do, cool. something September, October, November time. I'm going to Europe with Glossary either in November or February. So nice. Yeah. Um, kind of a weird question, but I feel like it. Anyway, you have a lot of critics who are very vocally 
not fans of yours. Uh-huh. How do you deal with stuff like that? Like just on the like punknews.org and all those guys. You know, I mean, I mean they're this- not really like they're not they don't really say anything intelligent about me, and like, <laughs> and so it's like that's really easy to deal with because it's just kind of like it's kind of stupid. Yeah, right? it's kind of like. I mean, I always, like, just kind of make jokes with them and stuff like that. Like, let them, like, say what they want and, like, kind of, like, you know, like, kind of poke fun at myself while they do it. And I don't know. I, they can they can think what they want. That, I mean, I, you know. Do you read that stuff? Uh, of course. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, it comes, like, I mean, every time, like, there's an article about me on Punk News, like, it shows up in my Twitter feed and, like, I click on it, you know. I mean, I know, like, a lot of people, you know, don't read their press or whatever. Like, I'm not one of those people. I get yeah. bored. You know what I mean? Like, and, and I'm like, okay, well, like, what's, what's, what are they saying about me, you know? And a lot of the time, it's like, I want to read the interview or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, and then I, like, get down to the comments, and then I see the comments, you know? So I'm not, like, actively seeking out, like, what people are saying about me, but it's at the bottom of the page, and so it's like, oh, okay, well, look, yeah. you know? Well, that's cool. I was just curious. I, I talked to somebody earlier today who was just like, I just I can't read it. Like I can't read good or bad. It, it just ruins my day. It ruins my mood. It ruins yeah. my week. So I'm just curious. I mean, that's understandable. I yeah. like I, maybe I'm just the worst kind of person. That, like <laughs> you know, can I, I? It doesn't really bother me. I I like to read the good things and the bad things. I try and like take in stride and like maybe like learn something from. Right. You know, I mean, it's only like when people are like really ignorant that I'm just like, okay, you're ignorant. You know what I mean? Like, whatever. Like, if somebody has something constructive to say, you know what I mean? Like, or, like, a, a, a reviewer, like, you know, tears apart something that I do, you know what I mean? Like, that helps me, you know? Like, I mean, like, I also don't get very many bad reviews. <laughs> like, yeah. And so, like, so uh, honestly, like, when I do get a bad review, like, I pay more attention to it than I do to the good reviews. Cool. You know? Like, and, and I, that don't get me wrong, like, I don't like to get bad reviews. It sucks. It feels bad. But, like... I just always try and learn something from it, you know? And if somebody can say something constructive or, like, well put together, you know what I mean? Like, that's, like, giving a reason why they don't feel strongly about, like, something they did, or they don't like it, they feel strongly because they don't like it, then hell, like, you know, like, that's really, really awesome. Like, the only thing that really bothers me is, like, when somebody's like, I just fucking hate that motherfucker. You know what I mean? And I'm just like, ah, dude, really? Yeah. You know, like, come on. And that doesn't bother me, but it just... It bums me out because I'm like, you know, my mom reads this, you know, like it's on the internet. Like, you know, this dude, like, you know, that, like, from Cleveland, that every time I come to Cleveland, like, he always talks about, like, how much he hates me. And, like, the last time I was, I was there on the revival tour, he was, like, talking about how he wanted to kill me and stuff. And I'm just like, I, like, I tweeted at him several times and he never tweeted me back. I saw a little bit yeah, of that. Yeah. I, I was just like, man, I was like, I was like, hey, dude, like, it's cool. Like, I know you don't like me. I dig that. But, like, my mom reads this shit. Like, do you have to, like, threaten my life, yeah. dude? You know, like, it's like, because she doesn't understand, you know? Like, it's like, parents don't get that, like, this is just some, like, you know, person sitting at a computer screen that, like, has no in- actual intention of, like, you know, and probably doesn't even really feel that way at all. They're just right. blowing up and, like, blowing off steam and, like, you know, doing whatever. So, honestly, it's just like... I just, like, as far as for, like, my folks' sake, don't want, like, that kind of stuff, you know? I think that, like, it's interesting because, like, you know, like, there's, like, there's this website called IHateTimBerry.com, you know, like, and it's all about how this person hates Tim Barry, and, like, you know, oh, yeah, and, like, you know, 
he like doesn't care. But then there's like people on there that's like, I really want to fuck his sister. You know what I mean? Like and shit like that. And then it's just like, and he's just like, motherfucker. And it's like it's kind of it's it's a similar thing. Of course, it's not exactly the same, but it's like that's fucked up, dude. You know, like these are people. That's the, that's the thing that like that that is most frustrating about it is like, dude, like we're fucking folks. Like yeah. we're not like you know, like we're not like fucking like mindless atom automaton performers. And like not only that, but like we're in the scene. It's not like we're like fucking these people that are like you know what I mean, like elevated like fucking Zeus on Mount, Mount Olympus. You know what I mean? Like, that are, like, completely separated from right. the goddamn thing. Like, we're people on the fucking street hanging out, you know what I mean? Like, and, like, reading fucking zines and, like, and, you know what I mean? Like, right. and actively participating and contributing. So it's like, when you say something negative about one of us, we have to see it. You know? Like, and that's, it's, that's the worst part about it, <laughs> is that people don't realize that. Like, they don't think about the fact that it's like, when you say something shitty, you know what I mean? Like, not only do we have to see it, but our friends and our family have to see it, you know? It affects us, you know? Like, and, like, people are just really insensitive, and that's what bums me out. You know what I mean? Like, I hate to sound like a hippie, but it's just like, give me a fucking break, dude. Like, like, would you, how would you feel if people said that shit about you? Nobody's going to say that about you, maybe because you're not a fucking, like, public persona, but, like, yeah. how would you I, feel? I think some people honestly. just want the attention. Oh, yeah. yeah. They want that attention. I don't know. I, I personally like it when people don't like me. I'm like, man, must mean I'm doing something right. But everybody yeah. loves me. That's the problem I have. I know. So, you're a good so, dude. So, when somebody doesn't like me, I'm like, dude, what did I do? <laughs> Why don't you like me? So, yeah. um, so we'll wrap this up. Uh, if, when's this uh, glossy record going to come out? I don't well, know. We're hoping to have it finished by the end of the summer, early fall. So. Yeah, cool. But, but that doesn't mean it'll come out then. We'll probably shop it a little bit. Cool, cool. You know, yeah. so we'll see what happens. You're not going to sit on it as long as Corey sat on his, did he? No, yeah. if it's not like coming out by March next year, we'll just have Travis put it out on last chance. You know, good dude. Yeah, he's awesome. Cool man. Well, um, anything else? Any, That's it. Anybody, anybody else you want to yell at some more? I don't have anybody that I want to yell at. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Uh, one last thing. Why don't you have any sleeves on your t-shirts? Because it's cooler. Like it not like looks cooler. Like it feels. You better? look like a douchebag, but it feels better. All right. It's just the one thing I've always wondered. Like we, that entire two week tour, I'm like. Just gonna ask. Just, it takes a microphone in my hand to go. Why don't you wear any fucking sleeves on your shirt? Damn it! No, it, it's it's one of those things that like you know that you look like a dick when you fucking like wear sleeveless yeah. shirts. But it's like once you've done it, you can't stop. And I started tearing off the sleeves on my shirts like you know what I mean, like long time ago. And like once you realize, you're like, woo! Look at me! It's the summertime, and I feel like yeah. I'm, you know, like I'm like ten degrees cooler because of this. You just can't stop. Right. It's an addictive, you know. I, uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't think I'll ever do it. Don't Use start. Tattoos. Just don't start, man. Yeah, don't start. All right, man. Well, uh, take me on tour again. Try it too. All right. I don't need any money, but uh, man, let's go drink some beers. All right. Well, all right. Well, thanks, buddies. Thanks for tuning in and listening to me talk to my, my good buddy, Mr. Austin Lucas. Austin, hopefully you don't take those remarks at the beginning too close to heart. I love you to death, man, but you are kind of a dick. But that's kind of why I love you, you know? Everybody's got their asshole, and you're one of mine, buddies. Oh, you're one of mine. You need to hurry up and take me back out on tour. Hopefully you glossary guys are out there listening, and you're going, man, this Damien dude sounds pretty cool. Let's take him on tour. I'd love to do an Austin Lucas glossary tour, so you guys keep me in mind. Uh, I do drink a lot, but when I'm on tour working, I'm all business. 
I will stay sober. I will drive you at the end of the night. Uh, you can ask Austin and Chloe. I'm a terrible fucking driver. But <laughs> during the day, <laughs> apparently, I talked to Austin for about 30 minutes about my awful driving skills after the show. Uh, but again, you know, I mean, he's a good buddy of mine. Uh, and hopefully if you loved him before this interview, you'd love him a little bit more. If you hated him, well, why the fuck are you listening? But hopefully you like him a little bit more and don't hate him as much. He is, he is his heart's in the right place. He's, he's just, he's just awesome, Lucas. And he's my buddy. I'm going to say that like 18 more times. He's my buddy. He's my buddy. He's my buddy. No, anyway, but, uh, so I recorded a couple, uh, audio tracks uh, on my Zoom H1 handy recorder uh, there at the Lion's Lair that night. And uh, these these the two I'm going to play at the end of the set are kind of the ones that came out the best. Uh, the first one's a new song. I have no idea the name of it. I Twittered Austin earlier today uh, asking him what the hell the name of that song was, and he has yet to reply. Uh, I'm sure I'll get it posted up on the Internet. Hopefully he doesn't mind me playing it. Uh, whatever. And then the last song is going to be Go West. Now, there's a video of Go West of this performance over there at uh, mostoftheharmlesspodcast.com. You can find it on YouTube. I've also, as I believe I said in the intro, I've got another video of Go West at the Waverly Boogie in Auburn, uh, Alabama, from about a month ago. Um, so go check out both those videos. Um, you can actually watch the video, but this is the entire thing. This is Austin you know, standing on the floor. Starting the starting the song Go West and going, hey, you know what, guys? Nobody in here is listening. It's loud. You guys can't hear it. Let's go outside. And he takes the whole trip outside, and you kind of hear the whole thing. Uh, but first, we got a little song. Um, I'm not sure the name of it. Uh, it's a good song. I like it. So we're going to listen to that, too. Uh, PJ Bonds, he was fucking great. I was going to do an impromptu interview with him, maybe 10, 15 minutes outside the lion's lair. And then I got busy talking to women. And you know how it works, talking to women. Doing last-minute interviews don't matter so much. But check out PJ Bond. He's on tour right now with Austin. Um, They're in Canada right now, and I'm not sure where they're going after that off the top of my head. But all those tour dates can be found on austinlucas.com. I think it's austinlucas.com. Go visit mostlyharmlesspodcast.com and check it out. And uh, thank you guys for your overwhelming support. It's weird. I I got asked this weekend if I had any interest in doing a spoken word album. Um, I don't know who in their right mind would want to. Like I can't even stand listening to myself do these much less a fucking full album of me rambling on and on and on but i have been dabbling with the idea of doing stand-up comedy which i think would be anyway uh but thanks for your overwhelming support i mean um i've started getting some writing gigs based solely on the podcast uh you can catch me in the upcoming issues of amp magazine and hails and horns and uh, working on some other stuff. We've got some exciting things coming up. And uh, it's all thanks to you guys listening, supporting, passing it along. And we're going we're going slow but strong. Slow and steady wins the pace, I suppose. And that's, you know, what we're focusing on. And thanks, you guys, for listening. Uh, again, stick around for a couple live tracks with Mr. Austin Lucas. Visit MostlyHarmlessPodcast.com. Like us on Facebook. Please leave us some iTunes reviews. Those really help out. And, uh, yeah, and leave me some feedback. I love getting emails. I don't get a lot of emails at mostlyharmlesspod at gmail.com, but please send them, to, send them my way. And, uh, yeah, that's all I got for you this week, folks. Uh, here we go with some uh, Austin Lucas live tracks. Let's see here. Um, I'm going to play a new song that I do kind of know how to play. Um. How many people are... Uh, over 30 here. Woo! Raise your hands up, come on. Huh? What? How many folks are over 40? 
you don't have to do it But, um, um, 33, and uh, I make music for a living, which basically means that I'm emotionally stunted. And uh, at some point you get to the point where you're like, I'm really eloquent. At some point you get to the point uh, where you realize that uh, you're not a kid anymore, but you're not really a fucking adult either. And I wrote this song about that. really sensitive to it. Spent my whole life trying to be old. My youth ain't gone yet. It's fixing to go. See, I'm caught between a grown man and a child we all knew. Neither of these fellas care of them to be faced with the truth. Every day is a blessing, a gift and a gamble. You can read every book and play every Pay the big bucks. <laughs> 
In these words, I am not writing, although one might catch the famous glance that's our rule. I'm but trying hard to grasp all these fragments as they're passing. Piece of puzzle now before the trail grows cold. I'm not asking for the answers in mathematical equations. To be coldly calculated by unbiased hands. For in truth I am so stricken, and I care only for heaven and switch fingers. I am the better broken half. Oh, and I am but the bitter. Formulating a plan. Right. You're not enjoying this, right? You are. You're good. <laughs> Look very comfortable, though. What's that? I'm very comfortable. Yeah, that's good. Okay, so I need somebody to watch my whiskey drinks that are over there. No one's going to rip you, though. I already took three of them. I gave it to you, Okay, good. We're going outside. Come on. Seriously? Yeah, let's go. <laughs> this is the first one. I smell weed, but I mean, we're in Denver, so. <laughs> Yeah, we're gonna do this. Let's do this, right? There, as long as it's part of an act. I'm gonna right? smoke a dick. I didn't want to do it. Okay, so here's what's going on. If you want to hear the song, get close and be fucking quiet. Come here, come here. We can sing on the chorus, right? Yes, you can sing on the chorus. Get close. Don't be bashful. Get all around. Come on, come on. Love you, buddy. Goddamn beautiful. All right. I'm gonna take this up a step. And my callous speculations, they leave no room for calm or reason. I have placed myself on altars that are hollow. So adept at finding weakness, I smell fear and close my fists. Unaware the stench I'm smelling is my own So yeah, you left me and I'm bitter And my pride is shocked and raw For I believed I would be changing roads no more I know that life is full of dead ends But I saw us 
as a highway ever stretching on from coast to golden coast. Oh, but now instead I'm saying, go yes, family, that you're losing by yourself somewhere I'll find another lover in the east. Well, I said, go yes, family, oh, you know you've got my blessing, but you can't expect I've heard mine to watch you leave. <laughs> 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 Though the ending I may never hope to know You were a sweet and sound companion Though our paths led us apart And I may never sleep so soundly as I did While in your arms now all I ask is you remember Who you loved and who you lost Please don't bury me in silence Or in blackest shroud of thoughts Don't pretend that what we had was any less than what it was For I'll not soon be forgetting the reasons why We fought so hard Oh, to make it work But go assembly Grab the boots and find yourself somewhere on fire Another lover is the keys Come on! Well, I said go assembly For you know you've got my blessing But you can't expect me My name's Austin Lucas. Me and PJ Vaughn have stuff for sale right inside. I'm gonna smoke the cigarette and then I'm gonna go sling merch. Uh, PJ is maybe gonna go hang out by the merch table. Please buy stuff from us because <laughs> because fuck, we're broke as hell. Actually, yesterday uh, we we played a house show and uh, and uh, and and we were like, everybody needs to donate. We already donated eighty dollars to our gas tank today to get here. We donated another $80 to our gas tank to get here. <laughs> so, if y'all want to buy some shit, that'll be awesome. I Stop filming that. <laughs> I ain't got a job, but I will do it. 
Out, we appreciate it. We definitely appreciate it. Thank you guys appreciate so much. You. Thank you. Woo! Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.